Uh, today I'm going to kind of, uh, we've been talking about the Beatitudes over the past few weeks, and I'm going to add a little chapter onto the end of that, uh, although we're going to change topics a little bit. Uh, but we're going to look this morning, continuing in Matthew chapter 5, but we're going to look at the verses that follow right after the Beatitudes in uh, something that I believe will help us. As we looked at the Beatitudes, it was really important as we studied them to see how God might uh, help our character to develop and grow. And we would almost be remiss if we didn't go ahead and look at the next part that follows because what the Beatitudes did was prepare us for what comes next. It helped us get ready in our minds, in our hearts, to be what we needed to be in this next section of Scripture in Matthew 5.13, where Jesus quotes what has become a famous, uh, a very popular famous verse in all the Bible. And it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, and nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This morning, I want to talk to you about salt and light. But keeping in mind of everything that we've talked about in the Beatitudes about a blessed life, that the things that we learned in the Beatitudes, we learned about those who are poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers, the pure in heart, and the persecuted for righteousness' sake. All of those things, all of those characteristics help prepare us to be what Jesus is calling us to be in these next verses, salt and light. Ephesians 5 said it this way, that we were once in darkness as, as unbelievers, but now as believers in Jesus Christ, we are now the light in the Lord. Often this section of Scripture has been viewed as uh, instructions or a mandate. But this isn't an instruction, and it's not a mandate. It, it, Jesus is actually identifying who we are. He didn't say, go be the light, go be the salt. He said, you are the light, you are the salt. So in other words, what he's doing is he's identifying what the people are who are followers of Jesus, the believers in Christ, that it's not a suggestion to be the light. It's not a suggestion to be the salt. It is an exclamation of our identity that you are the salt, you are the light. And we ought to recognize this, and this might help us to realize that it's not something we put on and take off. As believers, we are the salt. As believers, we are the light. It's not something that Jesus just hoped that we would pick up as we go out into the world. No, it's him telling us that we are salt and light. And our world is depending on who we are in Christ as salt and light. We are not salt and light because of who we are. We are salt and light because of who Christ is. It's not based upon our nature. It's not based upon who we are. As a matter of fact, as we're going to talk today, one of the benefits of being salt and light is remembering who we used to be 
and recounting now how much God has, how far God has brought us and how far God has rescued us. That if we're going to be the salt and light of the world, we have to remember that we came a long ways, that we were once in darkness, but now we're in the light. That we were once astray, but now we are found. It's not that we reflect and we go and we beat ourselves up over our past nature, but that we recall that we too, just like the world around us, we too were once astray, but now have been bought with a price and are found in the Lord. So if the Bible teaches us here that we, the world, if Jesus teaches us that the world needs salt and the world needs light, then this inevitably teaches us that our world is in darkness and our world is in decay. And that's important to remember today. That if there was no need for us to be, the, if, there, if we didn't have to be the salt and light, then our world would be perfectly a perfect place. But because our world is in decay and because our world is in darkness, we have to be the salt and light. And if there is a need, uh, if there is a need for salt, then that means we are living in a decaying world. And if there is a need for light, then that means we are living in a dark world. One writer said it this way, that this helps explain oftentimes why people are so confused because nothing looks right in the dark, right? You can see shapes, but not sizes and appearances. Everything is distorted in the dark. Is it any wonder that oftentimes the values of our world are distorted with the world so shrouded in darkness? Gold is more important than goodness and things are more important than people and God is not important at all. And that's because in darkness, it's confusing, right? You can't make sense out of it. The darkness leaves us in a fog. It, it, it's, we're not able to see. The one writer in the New Testament says that the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelievers. Why do you think they're blinded? Because they're in darkness, right? They're not able to distinguish. And we have been blessed as believers that our eyes have been exposed to the truth. And that's what light does, right? Light exposes. It exposes the truth. It lets us see deception from truth. And many times you can be in the dark and think one way, but when the light comes on, you are able to see how things really are. And so Jesus teaches that the solution to darkness and decay is salt and light. Salt was given to combat decay. Why is that? Well, salt is a preserving nature, right? It used to be that before refrigerators, that salt was packed onto meat in order to help it uh, be preserved. And actually, it's still a practice in many countries around the world for a finer taste of meat that you would preserve it in salt and help it, and it gives it a little aging and flavor. If you're into cooking, you can learn all about that. But salt is a preserving nature, it helps uh, keep the world. It helps keep the world from decay. And if we are the salt, then what we're going to do is help preserve this world from decay. You see, a lot of times the world doesn't realize that the only thing that keeping this world from its absolute destruction is the believers present in the world, because we are the salt of the earth. You see, salt makes people thirsty, right? There's nothing like having a little salt. Oh, I forgot I have some salt here. Salt makes people thirsty. You know, if we're truly the salt of the earth, people will see in us what they are seeking for themselves and will want to take hold of it. They'll want to grab it. It's going back to the Beatitudes, right? That blessed are, let's say, the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. 
Listen, when we are merciful, the world, that's attractive to the world. They may, they may spit at our face. They may pull it, push it back at us. But there's something about somebody who is merciful that says, ultimately, in every human being, that I want to be that way. I'm drawn to that. I'm pulled into that. So salt is given to combat decay. Likewise, light. Light exposes what is hidden in the dark. And of course, mine went out just as I got up here. Oh, there it goes. Light exposes what is hidden in the dark. Light is given to combat darkness. It brings truth to deception. And oh, how our world needs that right now. Our world needs us to be who God has already appointed us to be, the light. That their eyes might be exposed. Listen, if we would just faithfully represent who God's called us to be, the characteristics of the Beatitudes, it will already bring truth into the world. And then when God opens the right door, we open our mouths and further tell them the truth that they so see. Listen, when you live a life that is pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted for righteousness sake, what you have done is essentially reflect the character of Christ. And that is going to open up more doors than we could possibly imagine by being faithful to the characteristics of a believer in Jesus Christ. God will give us a light to shine in the darkness. In our world right now, in a country that is divided, in social unrest, in a pandemic, and people are living in fear, we need light. We need light. And you think, what could this little light do in a land full of darkness? What could a, my little light do? I think there's a kid's song that talks about that a little bit. What could a little bit of light do in a land full of darkness? What you don't realize is that when you have complete darkness, if we could get this room pitch black, you would still be able to see this light. There's something about a little bit of light that can make a difference in a world. There's something about light that is also contagious, that it just, people are drawn to it, right? When you're in the dark, what happens when, when, you, when, you, when you're outside and you have a light on? Man, bugs flock to it, right? And it's the same way with people. When you're in darkness and there's a little bit of light, there's a little beacon of hope, there's a little light on the coast of the land, we're drawn to it, we're pulled into it. Because all of us inside, whether we would admit it or not, are looking for hope. We're looking for a, an answer to know that things are going to be okay, that I don't want to live in darkness. No, none of us like the dark, right? None of us. That's like a basic fear of humanity. Nobody wants to live in the dark. Nobody wants to go down into the basement that doesn't have any lights, right? No, we all want light. We desire light. That's why we have lights in our homes is because we need light to see. We need light to guide our path. And this is why Jesus has so proclaimed to us that you are the salt. You are the light. It doesn't matter whether you accept it or not. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you by nature have become salt. You by nature have become light. It's not a little coat that you put on. It's not a little calling you even put on. It's who we are as Christians. We are salt and light. I don't just decide to wake up today and turn on my light. No, as a believer, you are the light. You might be the only light that some people would ever see in their lives. But the thing that we have to rem uh, remember here today is that you can't have one without the other, or it might become unbalanced. One writer said it this way, that salt it's hidden, right? It's hard to see the salt. It works secretly and slowly, but light, light is seen. 
It works openly and quickly. And the influence of Christian character is quiet and penetrating. And the influence of Christian conduct is obvious and attracting. And you can't have one without the other. You can't have character without conduct, and you can't have conduct without character, or else it invalidates the other. If we're going to be the salt and light, we've got to have both. We've got to have conduct and character. We've got to have the character that is represented in our conduct. I am blessed as a peacemaker, therefore I do, as what the Bible would teach us. We act because of who we are. We are salt and light, therefore we demonstrate it to the world. And so if it's okay for a few minutes, I just want to kind of teach you a little bit and, and teach all of us today, myself included, about sharing our faith a little bit. As this would give us a great open door to talk about salt and light, about who we are, I just want to show a little bit of ground rules for sharing our faith. John 20, 21, Jesus so powerfully proclaimed, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, all of us, just as much as you are the salt and the light, we are the sent ones. We've been sent by Jesus Christ. You say to me, Charlie, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not none of that. All of these excuses. Listen, that doesn't matter. We as believers, as those who carry the nature of Christ, whose word is hidden in our hearts, we are the sent ones. We are the ones that God has called to go forth into the world to bear his name as we talk about last week. So here's a few things I want to tell you. As the Father has sent me, so I sent you. So I want to give you four things to remember when sharing your faith. Listen, there's all kinds of books that have been written over the years, all these strategies, all of these things. And you know what? Honestly, sometimes it's overwhelming and confusing if we're honest. But I just want to give you a few things that if you can remember these, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will help you in your conversation in the days to come. Number one is you've got to be natural. You've got to be natural when you're sharing your faith. When you're trying to tell somebody about the hope of the gospel, you've got to be natural. So a lot of times we try to become somebody we're not. We try to put on a different personality or persona. But that's not who Jesus has called us to be. He's called us to be us, to go into the world and bear witness of the truth that we have within us. Be you. Tell them who, be, share your story. Be exactly uh, who you are. Don't be somebody else. God hasn't called repeats in the world. He's called originals. And that's what God wants out of us is to just be original. Be natural. Be exactly who you are. Secondly, we've got to be open. A lot of times our, our, the world has a different understanding of Christians because of they see one thing and they don't, they don't see the difficult. They see the highlight reel, but they don't see the struggle. You know what I mean, right? We, we post the highlight reel on social media, but oftentimes we don't post the struggle. And so our world needs to know that sometimes in the faith it's difficult, it's challenging. But here's how God helped me. Here's how the Holy Spirit helped me. Here's how God delivered me from this. It took some time, but yet God took, took care of it. They need to see that story. They need to see the transparentness and the openness that comes as we share our faith with with friends and family. Number three, and this is a big one, and all of us, we might have to check ourselves on this one, is we gotta be natural, we gotta be open, and we've gotta be respectful. We gotta be respectful. Regardless of who they are and how they live and how much we might disagree with it, we've gotta be respectful. Look, Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus, if you look at the Holy Spirit, if you look God, they're not forceful 
He's not a forceful God. He's gentle. He's mild and meek. Meekness is his characteristics, right? Jesus taught us that. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We've got to be respectful. First Peter said it this way, that in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We love to share that, right? That we, we read that verse, we say, be ready to make a defense for the gospel at any moment. But the Bible is not finished with that sentence. It says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Listen, more people have been turned away from the faith because of forceful gospel instead of a gentle and respectful gospel. And if we're going to win the world for Jesus, it's going to be in the arms of love. It's not going to be in the arms of roping them under them and pulling them along. No, it's going to be in the arms of love. Let me add a few points under that for a moment. We're going to be respectful. Let's talk about persuasion for a minute. If you go in and you read Acts chapter 17, I would encourage you all to go read Acts 17 sometime. You're going to see Paul goes in and he talks to uh, these Greeks and he begins to reason with them. As they began to realize that they discovered something, they began to discover a concept about God, but they didn't know how to place it. And so Paul went in and he began to persuade them. And as a matter of fact, if you go in and you read Acts 17, 18, and 19, if you'll just begin to circle and highlight every time that the words used persuasion or reason are used, you'll see that it's actually multiple times that Paul was trying to persuade them. He was trying to reason with them. As a matter of fact, he appealed to their intellect at points to try to help them realize that what they were trying to discover was God himself and he began to explain to them about the gospel. Oftentimes persuasion, if it's going to be lasting, if there's going to be a change that ever happens in the hearts of our friends and family, it has to be internalized, right? No, none of us have just changed on the, on the outside without it first starting on the inside. Change happens from the inside out. And if we're going to be changed, if people are going to be changed with the gospel, it starts in the heart. And it takes time for people to change their hearts, to, for the Holy Spirit to work and begin to renew their attitude and their thoughts towards Christ. Manipulative change from the outside is a never an authentic uh, attitudinal change until it has been internalized. Because some people might respond and say that, you know, if we do this with gentleness and respect, that this isn't bold or you lack the fear of God or whatever. But I want to encourage you for a moment and admonish you from God's word that this isn't what this is what Jesus calls when he sent the disciples out. He said, I want you to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents. Listen, we got to be wise. We've got to be remember that we're in a world that is not our home, right? It's like a scuba diver in water. They're in there for a, long, a little bit, but they don't plan on living there. And that's our nature, right? We're in a world that we don't plan on living in. It's not welcoming. It's not our permanent place. We are pressing towards an eternal home, ultimately. And we have to realize that we have to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents. And Proverbs said it this way, that he that wins souls is wise. It takes great wisdom. It takes a depending upon the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back to that in a moment. So you've got to be natural. You've got to be open. You've got to be respectful. And finally, you've got to be simple. Oh, my goodness, how we've complicated the gospel sometimes. 
We go into all of these words that people don't know. We explain, expound, and people just can't seem to get their minds around it. But listen, we've got to be simple. I would encourage you to practice in your own life and in your own way, being able to summarize the gospel in two minutes. Just practice it. Just try it. If you do it, you may not ever have to use it, but if you do that, you'll be able to comprehend the fullness of the gospel. That in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth, and he created man and female. And But there was a, a division that happened when man decided that they wanted to be God, and the di divide was broke. The connection between God and man was ultimately destroyed, and sin crept upon the earth and has been ever since then. But God, he had a plan in mind, and ever since then, he's been pursuing after you and I, and he did it by sending his son who was perfect, who lived a perfect life, didn't have any harm in his life, didn't have any sin upon him, but yet they crucified him. They put him upon the cross and his blood was shed for you and I so that our sins could be erased to begin healing that bridge that was once broken in the beginning. But listen, it doesn't end there. The gospel isn't finished with the cross. It's finished with his uh, future coming once again. Jesus would resurrect to show that all of us here today are not subject to the penalty of, of death. We're not subject to the penalty of eternal punishment. But he conquered death, showing that he has victory over death, grave, and sin. And now you and I can live as his redeemed forevermore if we will trust him. And Romans teaches us this way, if we'll just confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then guess what? It's good news for you and I. You will be saved. The gospel is simple. There's a, there's a whole book that talks about it. It's the Bible, right? You can read all the ins and outs about it, but listen, sometimes we've just got to keep it simple that some people need to know in their lives. We've got to be we've got to be sensitive in knowing that sometimes people just need to know that there's a God who loves them. Some people just need to know that somebody looked at their life and thought enough about them to share with them a hope that they thought was important enough to impart unto them. We've got to keep it simple. And if at all possible, don't forget what it is like to be without Christ. All you and I both Nobody, we're all saved by grace. None of us are saved by any other means. We're all saved by grace. And we have to remember that when we're beginning to share our faith. So be natural, be open, be respectful, and be simple. And then I want to give you this. As you begin this journey, as you begin sharing your faith, whether it's at work, whether it's with family members, it never changes. This never changes. You have to trust in the Holy Spirit and depend upon prayer and focus on Jesus. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Depend upon prayer and focus on Jesus. This, there, it's, it's amazing if we look back what we talked about a few weeks ago about the Beatitudes, that we talked about all of these characteristics, but then we looked at the Holy Spirit, how Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit, and that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The Holy Spirit helps us live in the Christian character, but the Holy Spirit also helps us conduct our Christian character as well. He's going to help us be in character, but he's also going to help us conduct our character. This is why Jesus called the disciples and he sent them into an upper room so that they could get a hold of the promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And it's not for anything more important than this, so that you will be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. Remember what John 20 said? 
As the Father sent me, so I send you. And Jesus sent them into an upper room. And he said, you're going to wait. I'm going to give you a gift. You can't do it on your own. But the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and help you. And you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to say things you never thought you could say before. Because the Holy Spirit's going to help you, not in your own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. We need prayer, guiding, focusing on Jesus. Trusting God to lead and guide our conversation. Lord, what do I say? What do I do? Sometimes you might have to go into a conversation where you're silent and you just listen. And you know what happens when you do that? When you begin to practice that kind of obedience to the Lord, God will open up the right door at the right moment to speak exactly what is needed. Sometimes people just need to be heard and then God will give you a place. And a lot of times we have to be able to win the trust of those around us. Many times we we, we, look, we look past people. We see them as just sharing our faith without realizing that what God really wants is relationship. He wants to build community in the church, not just numbers, not just results. He's excited about building a church, not just a soul to be saved, but building his kingdom with people. Let's look at people as if they're people and building relationships in the days to come. Musicians are going to come. I want to wrap this up today. The Bible teaches us in Revelation, Revelation 12, and this is important today. We're going to be the light, right? We're all going to be the light. We're going to agree to be the light, not because we agree to, but because you are. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are the light. You are the salt. Whether I tell you or not, Jesus has already said it over your life. You are the salt. You are the light. It's who you are. doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. It's who you are. Revelation 12 said it this way, that we shall overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. We shall overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. I pray that you would begin to memorize that scripture, put it in your heart, hide it in your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to let you begin to internalize what that means, that we shall overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Listen, that basically means if we can embrace that God was great enough to rescue you and I who were lost, who were far away. If God could rescue Charlie, then God is able to rescue anybody whom he desires to rescue. If I was a sinner lost, then there are many other people who are sinners and lost and in need of a gospel. But yet I have a story. I have a testimony that says I was once astray, but then God found me. God rescued me. And so therefore, I'm overcoming by the word of my testimony. And that might just be the hope that helps somebody else realize that they too can be rescued. It was actually somebody's testimony that brought me to the faith. It was hearing the story as I looked at this person's life who was a drug addict, completely lost and abandoned. I thought, God, if you could forgive them, then what am I waiting for? If you can rescue them, surely you can rescue me. We overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Listen, it's not just our testimony. It's what Jesus did on the cross. It's what Jesus paid for you and I. And we can never forget that as we share our faith. Never lose focus of Jesus. You can never go wrong if you're sharing the gospel to stay focused on Jesus. You'll never go wrong. Focus on Jesus. The world needs to see less of us and more of him. This is why John the Baptist would stand up and decree, oh, he must increase, but I must decrease. As we embrace and internalize the Beatitudes, 
let it be in our heart to realize that God is forming our character so therefore we might be light and we might be salt. How many people around us need to see a light? Maybe you're thinking about a family member today. I'm thinking about our world right now. and so much that's happening in so many people's lives. They need to see a little light, a little light of hope that says, I know you're worried. I know you're afraid. I know you're stressed. But I want to tell you about my God who loves you, who is willing to give his life for you, who's willing to pay it all for you. Are you ready to do that? Just be you. Share what God did for you. Tell them the story, how God rescued you. We stand this morning. The choir is going to come. And we're going to have a prayer service here for a moment, if that's all right. Sharing our faith depends upon prayer. And many of us might be thinking about somebody today who needs to know the hope of the gospel. And as the disciples would gather together, as they would meet with one another, they would begin to pray, God, give us a door, an open door to share the hope that lies within. They would talk about their faith with one another and get encouraged as they gather together, as we do here, right? We come together, we get encouraged, we get strengthened. We're all going through battles. We're all going through things. But may God open doors for us. And today, if you're here this morning and you need this hope, you're watching online, you need this hope that we're so passionate about telling the world about. It's not just because, it's because we've been changed by it. I'm passionate about telling it because if God could do this for me, oh man, what could God do for somebody else? How could God change somebody's life? Isn't it a beautiful thing to watch? If you've grown up in the church, you see somebody come from one place in darkness, but then how when they get in the light, how their life is transformed. That is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see in your life is to witness the power of transformation. I want to tell you today, this gospel is for you and you and as many as afar off that they might know the hope of Jesus today. This morning, would you close your eyes with me today? need this hope today call upon Jesus just tell him how you feel what you're going through the Bible teaches us in 1 John that if we'll confess our sins you'll tell him just Lord I've, I messed up I made a mistake I realize now oh my goodness what a life I've been living the Bible says that God is faithful meaning he's faithful to us that he never stopped loving us to forgive us of all of that unrighteousness if you'll just tell him Call upon him. Trust him today. You say to me, Charlie, I don't know. I, I just don't know the ins and outs. Look, you don't need to know the ins and outs. If you'll just understand that there's a God who loves you enough, then you'll run to him. God will begin to help you grow and be transformed in a life that you so need. Call upon him today. For the rest of us that are gathered here today, I want you this morning to do something different. I want you to begin to call upon some people that God has placed in your life. You're thinking of them right now. That you know need the gospel. They need hope. Maybe they live right beside you. Maybe they live across the world. It doesn't matter. God has given you an open door into their life. And I pray today that you would call their name to the Lord. 
begin to trust them to God. Lord, we want you to rescue them. We want, you to, we want them to see the hope of the gospel. If we're ever going to let the world see the hope of the gospel, we're going to have to be strategic and walking with the Holy Spirit and saying, this is what we're going to do, Lord. We're going to call upon you faithfully and trust you and go in the path that we need to go. So call them to the Lord this morning, right where you're at. Maybe you want to kneel today. Maybe you want to stand. Lift them to the Lord. Just call their name to you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend, a best friend in your life. Call them to the Lord today. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a son or daughter that's away from you that you haven't seen in some time.